Hey everyone, quick announcement. Each week I try to bring you an episode to the show that offers something for everyone. It might be a training tip, insight into a world or, or national champion's life and how they got to where they are, or it might just be talking sports, the shooting sports in particular, uh, for entertainment purposes. At the bottom of each of my episodes, you will find a Koji link to my website where you can find sponsors, links to guests, things of that nature. Currently, there are three sponsors, Laser App, Gun Butter Lubrication, and now Aim Size Products. I will be putting out um, a specific episode about Aim Size and their products. But by using the links provided, you indirectly support the podcast without any additional cost to you. As a matter of fact, you typically save money by following those links. They'll give you a discount and then they'll send a little bit my way just to kind of help with the podcast. The discount link for Hoist is included. However, I don't, I don't get anything from Hoist, but I believe in their product and I feel it's a hydration product for you, which I highly recommend, especially shooting matches in the summertime where it's hot and humid. Now, if you don't use any of the products listed, there is still a way to support the podcast by using the tip button on the Koji link. It surely isn't required. None of this is required, but it is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to make the podcast as professional as possible, which does take time, a lot of time, and money. You can use the link to email me as well, whether you have suggestions for guests or whatever, comments, feedback. Regardless of whether you use a sponsor link or not, I still hope you enjoy the show. Please like it, share it, and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined. Thanks. And, uh, you know, that's what I told myself. And it, and it, and it worked um, until, getting to to the, until getting to the stage, and then it's yeah. different. You know, yeah. when you're on the ground and you're, uh, hey, Nils, hey, Ben, uh, hey, Jacob, hey, Seth. Yeah. Like, oh, that, that's different. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I held it together. My, my biggest goal was, you know, do well enough. Don't embarrass yourself, first of all. And then uh, show you belong. And, uh, I, you know, luckily, I more or less accomplished the goal. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely different when you go to nationals, you're shooting with all your buddies, you can shoot your game, it's relaxed, there's yeah. no pressure. But... Like you said, I mean, once you're on that squad with those other guys, uh, you know, I've I've mentioned this on the show before too. It's like you can look at the women's super squad and it's a party. Mm-hmm. You can look at the men's super squad and if I were to throw a knife over there, it would just stop midair in the thick of everybody. Because it's just while yes, there's there's some lighthearted humor and stuff going on. You can tell it's serious. Those yeah. guys are looking to win, you know? Yeah. That's a different atmosphere. Yeah, there's definitely uh, uh, an undercurrent. You know, it, it's yeah. that static electricity that you can feel. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah er, everybody is is super cool. Yeah, there's some joking that goes around. You know, everyone mm-hmm. genuinely is having a good time. I, I think, for, right. by and large, everyone on that squad enjoys everyone else. Um, and... Uh, you know, especially if Phil is on it, Phil Strader. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Phil's awesome. Uh, it's great to squad with him. But uh, there's definitely that that undercurrent there that you could feel. Um, 
everyone's there for a reason. Everyone's there for business. And uh, it's yes. the real deal. I, I learned a lot just being around those guys. You know, it, even within, even the super squad is so stratified. Like, I'm speaking very much. Make, make, not all super squatters are created equal. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm very much a low level super squad guy. Um, being around the very best shooters in the world is, is something else. It's something else. You learn a lot. Just being just being in close proximity, you learn a lot. I imagine just watching their demeanor and how they are before and after each stage alone would be a learning experience. Oh yeah. You know, the the, the preparation, you know, watching when and everyone's got a different approach, a different style, philosophy you know, whatever you want to call it. it. It is interesting just soaking up the different approaches to pressure and performance, you know, how these guys get in the zone, um, you know, how, how they bounce back from a bad stage or a costly error. I mean, these guys are doing math in their head. It's, it, it, yeah, stage and, and match point math in their heads that, you know, it would take me, you know, <laughs> writing down on a pen and pad. It'd take me five minutes to to do the arithmetic um, per stage. But and these guys are all they've all tracked it in their head. Um, it's I mean, I, what can I say? It's, it's something to behold. Yeah. I, it's, you it's know, humbling. I, <laughs> I watched. Humbling. um. Jacob shoot one. Uh, I forget which stage it was. And he fumbled his reload a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, man, it's a, okay. It's not going to affect me. But when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, that yeah. was a huge, I, I can't imagine what's going through his head at the end of the stage when right. he's making clear, you know, like, holy right. crap. That's a little things like that is what everybody feasts on. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there's my opening. Oh yeah. The, you know, small, <laughs> like you're saying, you know, a, an objectively small error mm-hmm. is so amplified at that level because, you know, no one else, everyone else in contention is probably not going to make that mistake. You know, if that made you a little bit late getting the gun up as you enter that position, you know, it, it may put you just that small bobble, um, you know, it may cost you a second. It may cost you you know, right. 1.2 seconds. And you know, that maybe that's the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially this one was later in, uh, this might've been day three. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, one of those where there's no next day to make up for yeah. whatever you did today. You know, oh, everything's that, on the line. That day three drag race. <laughs> yes. Because at that point, you know, you know, who has a legitimate shot, you know, at that point, yes, you, you, you go into the, into the nationals and I would say it's fewer than you think unless we're talking about CO but at the average nationals I would say there are probably five or six guys who have a a realistic a legitimate shot at winning that match and probably one or two of them are of those candidates are they're out of contention after day one maybe not but generally I would say and then after day two you know, another two or three are out of contention. And at that point, you know, it's between 
one or two, maybe three guys, and watching right. that drag race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. And that that I think that whole CO division went like this year again in June. You're gonna have so many there. You know, like yeah. you're saying, those two or three guys are now five. Yes. So well, now you've you know yeah, I we were talking about you know, me and a couple guys were talking about this uh on the way to or from a, a recent match. And CO these last couple years, you know, last year and this year, instead of coming into the match where realistically, legitimately, five or six guys have a, a shot to win, what, what do you think? I mean, I would say 12 or 15 of those guys, if it all comes together, like, you would not be surprised. I could offer you 12 or 15 names and say, this guy's going to win. And if that happened, you would not be surprised at the end. Right. Um, Definitely top 12. And there might be one dark horse outside right. of the top 12 right. that could just hit a hot streak and right. be good. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's always, like you say, uh, the, the Cinderella or the, the dark horse that just comes out of nowhere and is, and is you know, top three or so. Um, one of these years, a dark, dark horse is going to win the thing. And that'll, yeah. be, that'll be pretty pretty crazy yeah, that would actually be pretty exciting yeah but at the same time it's it's a huge uphill climb because of the people who show up that have you know you know all three past winners nils max and jj are gonna be there mm -hmm. so now you have to beat them and the other nine potential winners you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like my yeah. god how is that possible you're gonna you're just gonna have to like flatten everybody's tires on day three so nobody <laughs> can make it there it's crazy yeah it, it, it's gonna be interesting now so it leads me into a post that you had put up what do you think about jay slater's elo rankings i think that's very cool i so i got to meet jay at the Kentucky okay match take his hand and say you know thanks for what you're doing i don't yeah. know if so Dave, when did you come in to the sport? 2018, late 2018. Okay. So was Ken Nelson and practice through practice score? Was he talking about his ELO at that time? Do you recall uh, anything about it? I don't recall anything. Okay. So I think it was a little bit before that. I think it was in the 2015, 2016, maybe 2017 time frame. Uh, Ken was talking about an ELO system and mm. developing that and getting it out to the shooters and I, unfortunately i i'm not I, I have no inside knowledge i don't know what happened but it just never materialized so when jay started um doing the elo stuff you know it was you know it's like christmas it was like a christmas yeah. present um it, 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 it's really cool that guys have the skills and the the knowledge to be able to do stuff like this and uh, he's really doing a service for us all and uh, i made sure to tell him that when i met him at kentucky and really this is time. yeah and this is where i say you know there's twenty thousand active members and there, uh, you know maybe ten thousand of them have something very solid to give back mm -hmm. to the game like jay slater I mean, that would be something that would be cool if they would incorporate into the USPSA website rankings, you know, mm -hmm. here's the current rankings. That would be really, yeah. really neat. And not just like GM top 20. I mean, like 
legit. Here's your performance standings. So here is your new ranking. Yeah, and I that it's good to mention that. That's what I was going to say. You know, maybe as a replacement for the the top twenty, which may have been interesting at some point in the past. Uh, I don't think it's it may have outlived its usefulness because it's it's the the same name. Some of these guys they get a hundo like an overall hundo rating and then they never shoot mm-hmm. the division again so <laughs> so I, okay uh, yeah i i'm not sure what utility the top 20 has i mean it, it's it's a nice little piece of history but uh yeah i i am really enjoying what what jay's putting out and i'm gonna make yeah. every effort to try to climb up the, some of those rankings this year <laughs> okay yeah but, but see there's now it's adding another level of motivation for people you know, mm-hmm. like I want to be at the top. Yeah. So now I don't know if you had seen, um, <laughs> I got, there were a couple of people that didn't like it, but I mean, I created a points race mm-hmm. type of a thing where, okay, you have all your national champions and all of that, but who is like the shooter of the year, right? Who performed the most. And I also think something like that, not taking away from, you know, your national champions or anything like that, but who shot all these different matches performed the most consistent across the board. And then there's your shooter of the year. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Or or you could do like the biggest jump year over year or yeah, there's, there's yeah. Rookie of the year. Yeah. There's, there's endless most improved. Yeah. Do with that data. Um, And it's, and it's, the remarkable thing is just a total labor of love. As far as I know, he's, he's not going to, I can't imagine he's getting paid for it. I'm sure that uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> he's spending his own time to do it. And yep. uh, it's just a, a service to the shooters and uh, a lot of interesting things you could do with the data. I've, I've went in there and messed around with it just, just for entertainment. And uh, yeah. it's really, really cool. Yeah, it, it opens up a. It makes you look at things differently. So I I would really like to see a points race in addition to the normal stuff, just to add another component. And maybe you get shooters like Christian Seiler, who is phenomenal in open, but maybe he starts shooting limited optics, or maybe he comes to Carry Optics Nationals, and now competes against everybody else, and now you have all the top we'll just say top 10 guys in the elo rankings across the board competing for that shooter of the year even though it's a t- just a title it's something else to stack on that resume mm-hmm. yeah that you yeah, were and, the guy yeah yeah so i i know that i i don't have the either the technical skills or the math skills to you know to understand that my my understanding of it is like you know uh <laughs> you know you, you you do good goes up do bad go down <laughs> so that's really the limitation uh of my understanding like the the behind the scenes but uh yeah i think as long as you're you're drawing good conclusions from the data as long as you're interpreting it accurately and in the you know i think you have to have some 
understanding, which clearly Jay and others do, of like how these numbers are generated, like what effect, what makes the number, how are they generated and how do they go up and down and all that and interact between each other. I think, yeah, if you, if you could create a, a formula or an al algorithm to, to spit out something like that, um, yeah, I think that'd be interesting. It, it for sure would. Now, I'd mentioned earlier that we, so we talked a little about, about training and how you progressed. Yeah. Um, we've talked about being on the super squad and how that, you know, you can take things away from that after the match, regardless of finish. But this year you were, and I don't know if you've done it in other years past, so I'm only speaking on this year, but like you went to the PSTG summit as an instructor. And I don't, I don't know exactly how I, I'm trying to phrase this, but I know you took, you obviously took some stuff away as, as a student, as well as an instructor, but how much does teaching at something like that really kind of help you moving forward? Yeah. So I, I would say something I've learned is that teaching is, <clears throat> especially if you're at all like me <clears throat> and a lot of the, the concepts and a lot of the techniques are ingrained on an intuitive level, forcing yourself to be able to take what you know or take what you feel about shooting and distill it down in a format that can be taught or at least shared with other people. It really makes you examine, um, it really makes you examine the way you shoot and the way you think about shooting. So it's been, whether at the summit or in the other uh, limited training that I do for others, it's been super helpful to force me to think about my own shooting as opposed to just, you know, feel my way through or intuit my way through shooting. Um, it's been really good. You know, it, I, I've learned a lot you know, it, it's not that I didn't believe anyone who, who said this previously, but everyone who's ever taught says, I learned so much or so much more from teaching than just training. It's true. It's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, it's putting pen to pad. It's putting thoughts into words that forces you to think about that and be really critical of, you know, are, are my preconceptions correct? Are, are my... Um, are my techniques, do they pass the, you know, like a, a, a more rigorous approach than just, you know, going out and doing the thing. Um, but yeah, the, the summit was, was really great. Uh, I was, that was my first time going and um, I taught a block with Joel who helped me, helped me distill down sort more, more of my, uh, he would call it artistic uh, impulses down into something that's <laughs> more accessible for students. Okay. And then, uh, in the off time, I was able to, to train with some other guys who were also teaching or attending and, uh, you know, just whether it's on the range or, or back at the house at night, you know, you know, talking, talking, talking yeah. you know, but what about this? What about that? Like, you know, the dialogue about shooting, everyone's there, everyone's there for performance. You know, and it's it's really, really cool. Um, I, I'm super fortunate and, and grateful I had that opportunity um, for both aspects to be able to 
to share a little bit and to to learn and to to train myself. Did anybody record the conversation? It's not conversations mm-hmm. at night because I can imagine oh. the concepts and, and stuff that you guys, the conversations you have about concepts and theory and shooting and and yeah. stuff would be could get deep at times too. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, you know, I, I remember several good conversations with uh, with Jason Bradley, um, with Juancic, Kyle McNabb, um, all these guys, you know, picking their brain. Like, what about this? You, you've you been in this situation. Like, tell me your approach and let's compare notes. And, you know, um, lots of good stuff. I'm, no, it was not recorded. To answer your question, no, it was not recorded. Uh, probably for good reason. Uh, probably... <laughs> Probably some, some salty and insensitive language in these conversations that wouldn't be appropriate for public consumption. But uh, I, I feel like Ben and Joel could turn it into another book, though. So, so Joel was kind enough. There was a loud house and a quiet house. Oh, and I stayed okay. in the quiet house. Okay. Joel is a saint. So was Jason and Tim in the other house. <laughs> no, Jason was in the quiet house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He seems like he could be a little bit of a um, jokester. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I I really enjoyed hanging out with him, um, hanging out with him, staying with him. Uh, I think we, we had a good vibe at that house. Uh, I'd like to see him come back and start shooting CO again. Mm-hmm. He needs a he needs to throw a jersey on and get back out there. Yeah. Well, he had he joined had the, the fray. Side. I, I heard him complain about the iron sights at the summit, so I don't know. I don't know what he ultimately decided to do, but maybe he <laughs> maybe he comes back with a dot. We'll see. Yeah. The guy the guy was second at nationals and then disappeared. It's like <laughs> son of a gun. Yeah, talk about going out on top though. Man. Yeah. Now I know you shoot um well, at least on your Instagram it says USPSA and still challenge Grandmaster, but mm-hmm. Have you shot any other disciplines? I've shot uh, one IDPA IDPA match in my entire life. Uh, okay. You know, actually, I would like to shoot more IDPA. There's a couple of really good clubs in the area. Um, the state match is, is fairly local to me. It's just one of those things, like, when I – the good, I, good idea fairy visits, it's like, you should shoot IDPA. And then I get to look and it's like, okay, what do I need? Um, mag pouches, uh, different holster because I can't do the dropped and offset thing. Uh, I got to get fishing this. And, and by the end of like, <laughs> by the end of that conversation with myself, I was like, ah, screw it. It's too much work. <laughs> it, it is almost uh, a completely different setup from USPSA yeah. gear wise. So that does make it but i i have heard um i know some people that leave here from virginia to go down to shoot the georgia state idpa match i've I've heard it's really good and and you know really there's no excuse not to shoot it it's essentially in my backyard so we'll see it's in it's in the dead of july this year which ooh, yeah uh i hope there's shade uh, yeah (laughs) yeah but i i have heard that about the state match that they do a really nice job okay I, Did you you know, just, no, go sorry. ahead. No, nope, I was going to say, uh, as far as like other stuff, like I not competitively, but I, I shoot uh, sporting clays like every once in a blue moon. Mm. I have a good time doing that. Um, and I understand like there's actual real money in that. 
that and archery from what oh, I understand. Yeah. Yep. So I mean I, I picked the wrong sport, but at this point I'm kind of I'm kind <laughs> You're of a little stuck. deep into it. Yeah, I'm a little too deep to to make a change. Yeah, there's an archery club here nearby, and we're a member of an Isaac Walton, just mm -hmm. like Scott Arnberg, mm -hmm. and uh, they have a 40-lane archery course. Yeah, I was like, oh, they have every animal known to man. I mean, yeah. not giraffes, but, um, you know, in these different lanes, they've got shots out to like 100 yards. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, man, it is there. Serious. Yeah. I've seen a little bit uh, of that, and I don't know if this is the right ter terminology, but I would call it like practical archery, like unknown distances and 3D targets and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think that's really, yeah, I, I think that's uh, inter that definitely is interesting. I just, oh, can I, I, I don't know that I can <laughs> afford a, another <laughs> hobby. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> uh. You're going to end up like other people who get divorced because they're yeah. too deep into the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're at the point where I want to talk to you about our conversation that we had privately. Yeah. 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 And, and um, where I was talking about, there are, and actually you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier where, those guys at the super squad are calculating things in their head and, and thinking of things differently than 95% of the competitors in USPSA. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And um, like one of the examples I, I was saying in our uh, private messages was how I overheard Nils talking about accuracy on targets. And if I shoot, you know, so many Charlies, well, I'm, I've basically shot a mic and mm -hmm. this and that. And, and I, you know, he said some things that I had never really considered. Um, and I, I was saying that I feel there is some information there that those top level guys have that they've learned through experience that I feel could be passed to others um, kind of like dry fire drills, but not, uh, but where dry fire helps it, like when you got the red book, it helped you progress quickly. Mm -hmm. If we were able to bottle or put on paper what these guys know and what they're doing and how they're thinking, I feel like it takes guys from number six to number 20 at nationals up into that top five category. Mm-hmm. But you categorize that I was uh, as game mechanics. Yeah. So I so really, I I think it was the conversation with Nils, and if I remember it correctly, um, you know, basically, why is anyone teaching this? And I kind of slid into your DM, so it's like <laughs> this: what what you're talking about can't be my my contention is that can't be taught it can't be bottled and sold um okay it's something that that must be must be experienced must be um experienced firsthand and probably over time you know all these guys we're talking about who have the the secret sauce who have the the killer instinct um all these perennial nationals winners you know they, they've all been at it for probably decades 
Um, you know, they've, they've been in every situation you can imagine. And there's a reason why, you know, we, we have that, uh, we talked about, you know, the five or six guys who can win, you know, we have the same yeah. winners over and over and over. There's something yes. different happening with that phenomenon, I think is something different than just the mechanic, the nuts and bolts of shooting, um, you know, how to, Absolutely. Gun, how to pull the trigger. And my basic contention is a, a class, if you attempted to teach a class or if a hypothetical top guy, like top, top, top guy tried to teach this, I don't think the audience has the, the context and the experience mm. to translate that information into anything actionable or useful. If I tried to teach you or a, a student um, how to have the killer instinct, it's sort of like um, I can give you information. I can give you data. I can tell you about my own experience from my lens, but unless you've lived the thing, um, I, I just don't know that people can, can use that information or that data. I don't know if it can be like we were talking about earlier, distilling down concept. Like I can teach someone how to, how to grip the gun. Um, Nils or JJ or Max can, can teach you how to pull the trigger straight without disturbing the size. They can teach you the trigger prep and, and press and everything else. I don't know that you can teach someone to be uh you know absolute death stalker who when when the finish line is is in your sights or you're you're you know down 10 match points going into the last stage you know how to hold it all together and how to do what you need to to win like on demand um i think it i think it probably the reason we see the same guys winning is they've been in that situation you know, 10, 12, 15 times before. Um, and they, they've, they've lived it. They understand what must be happen must happen. And they, they, there's probably, you know, I'm no, uh, psychologist, but there's probably, they're probably equipped in some way, uh, genetically to, to be able to, to do this, to, to like quiet, their 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 breathing and their nerves and the anxiety and the pressure um you know because not all pressure is created equal um yeah oh for sure it's sort of like the the handiest example i can think of is you know when you're shooting your first uspsa match or first you know whatever uh first match local level no one cares everyone's going to go eat mexican food after and drink beer and have a good time you know they're there should be, let's be real, there should be no pressure associated with that event at all. There's no money on the line. You're going to go drink beer and mow the grass after you're done. You know, <laughs> there, but there is, there is pressure. Why? I don't know. I can't explain it. You know, maybe it's, it's other people watching. Maybe it's your own expectation. It's probably, it's probably your own expectations. Pressure probably comes from within uh, more than yeah. anything. But, you know, after a while, you get used to that. You know, you shoot a few USB, USBSA matches and, you know, you don't get nervous at a local anymore. <clears throat> you think it would be silly to get nervous at a local. 
what are you talking about? You know, you do this, you know, twice a month or whatever, you know, same range. But then you go to your state metro, you go to a level two and you're nervous. Why? It's the same, but it's different. Right. The same thing, area match, nationals, super squad, in contention to win. You can inoculate yourself to a certain amount of pressure at each of these levels. Um, but I, you know, I've never been in that position. Never been in that position. So I, I'm sort of imagining what it must be like from an outsider's view. But knowing what I know about how at each level there are pressures and, you know, getting used to that level of pressure. I just, I have, I have the idea that whatever it is these guys have just can't be, it can't be bottled up. It's something okay. that, uh, well, you know, you got to live it. I was at the same, that was the first Nationals I ever shot mm-hmm. was 2020. Yeah. Um, I was shooting carry optics and Juancic talks about how, he was leading after day one and didn't know how to handle it. Like he was yeah. a nervous wreck. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a different type of pressure. Um, yeah. And I think there are things that will help with the mental management side of things. Mm-hmm. But um, so you, but, okay. The, I agree with the mental management stuff and I'm not disagreeing with the other stuff, mm-hmm. but so you don't, think there's even something out there um to help number six through 20 again i'll use Mm -hmm. that because it's not going to matter for me um but for those guys you don't think there's something out there um that i'll use lanny basham Mm -hmm. you know when he wrote his book he went and interviewed all those gold medal olympic winners like what were you thinking how did you do this blah 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 now, you don't think there's something out there where if Brian Conley sat down with Nils and JJ and Max, now all separately, even Mason, um, Eric Grafell, and talked to these guys and figured out what are they thinking and how are they differently trying to determine these stages and what they're going to do and is it's a risky stage is it a play it safe stage is it a what you don't think there's enough common denominators there that there would be information that could be shared yeah so i i i see where you're going and i i absolutely agree you can you can pick up nuggets from all these guys and you know hearing each of them if you if you got them all in a room and, you know, they couldn't leave. They were forced to tell you all their secrets. <laughs> I still Let's do it. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How expensive that class would be. Um, yeah. No, I think even if you pick, picked, uh, picked the bone dry, you picked up all the secrets, there's still an X factor that must be lived and experienced. That's my contention. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, that's just, just my feeling. Now, what I was talking about with the game mechanic, yes, Eric can teach you how to do the the stage math or, or the match points math. That can be taught, but and we we all have to some degree or another some some refined than other an idea of the hit factor scoring system and um, the emphasis on points or the emphasis on speed. Do you does the shooter have 
the context to apply the concept is what I'm saying. Like if I tried to explain to a C class, well, no, that's fine. Uh, an average C class shooter okay. that in general, higher hit factor stages are biased more towards the speed than the points and vice versa. But, you know, if you've got a three factor stage, the bias is heavily towards points. Right. But he has trouble hitting the targets. Um, he uh, moves very poorly. That information is not useful. He can't act on that. So I, he, I can provide him that information. Is it valuable to him? Uh, that's dubious. Uh, Down the road. Yeah. And I even think that for most of it, most of us, including me, uh, the best outcome is probably going to happen when you just go out and shoot the best you can. Um, these are high, high, high level concepts. But yes, like you can distill the information and the techniques and the systems down to something that can be taught. But um, I, I just have an idea that there's still something beyond just the, the mechanics and the, the ABC, the, the solid concrete steps. Um, these guys have got something special, something different. They're built different or they have a different lived experience than a lot of us that, that gives them that sense, that intuition of when to apply certain techniques, you know, how to, how to go in for the kill, how to put a match away. Um, because if I, if, if I had all of Eric's, let's call it like book knowledge, like all his uh, concepts, okay. I had all his knowledge, but I didn't have all his experience, I still would not win nationals and I wouldn't win a world shoot. Gotcha. I think if I had all his knowledge and all his experience, then you've got that perfect covenant and then you've got the magic. And that's what you're saying. You're going to, you can't bottle that and you need to have it both in order yeah. to do it. That's, that's how I feel about it. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but, uh, that's how I, I, I think it works is that these, it's not enough to know what to do or to know how the math works or, or even that is it's, one, knowing when to apply the concept appropriately, and two, um, being able to on-demand execute what you know. Because at the, you know, the, the 6 through 20 example, the guys who are going to finish 6 through 20th at, at CO Nats, there's not a huge, I would argue, I would argue, there's not okay. a huge disparity in technical skill. There is some. Okay. The guys that the guys who are winning nationals consistently have the highest level of technical skill, the highest. <clears throat> and there's no substitute for technical skill. You can't mental game your way out of a skills deficit. I will be careful <laughs> to point that out too. Yeah, but at least not at that level. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I would argue at any level. You'll, you'll never, you can never mental game or systematize your way out of a skills deficit, the hard skills. Um, but the disparity in technical skill between first and 20th, I say, is not as broad as the disparity in that 
the system and the magic and you know knowing how to apply the concepts i think that's the the real differentiator well and i mean all you have to do is look at last year and mm -hmm. i'm pointing over here because i have it up uh -huh. um you know when nils goes into limited nationals with a minor power yeah. factor gun and wins he obviously has that innate ability to figure all that out know what he has to do and the other side of it which i i do differentiate the two where that he's shot enough matches worldwide where he can still just maintain that consistency which mm -hmm. is crazy to me but i mean ben had that ability eric grafell has that ability max jj you know what i mean like the, there's a a select mm -hmm. group that have that ability to constantly do that so i think there are definitely two parts here mm -hmm. it, it's just amazing to me that well, like you kind of hit touched on earlier you know on the fly they are figuring this stuff out and in a way i guess projecting what they have to do mm -hmm. to maintain that position. And it's I, just, I, I think it's a chess game. I think it, it, that what you just said brought to mind, it, it, it gave me the image of a chess game, you know, where you're okay. looking steps ahead. I, I think there is an element of that happening, especially on day three, especially on day three. Yeah. When all the chips are on the table. Oh yeah. It's all, it's everything. Oh yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at it, it's the same people all the time winning. Even Rob Latham. That's ridiculous. Yeah, the guy's been yeah. winning for forty years. <laughs> I mean, he's still he's still there. So yeah, yeah it's always the same people. Yeah, and I think Rob's a good example too. Like you know, no one's going to accuse Rob uh, of you know being the the most physically able person on the range. But he's winning. He's winning nationals into. I, I may get in trouble. I, I don't know, Rob. I, I don't know that I've ever met him, but I, I, if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably in his early 60s, maybe uh, late uh, 50s. Yeah, well, I would probably say 60s at least because, but, I mean, uh, he's, been, he's been an adult shooting for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but, no, he, he's a good example. You know, by, by all rights uh, – you know. 62 okay all right so all he was like, 60 when he won a national championship right yeah which is totally against the conventional wisdom right you got to be a young guy you got to have good eyesight you got to be fit you know tall and fit and trim and here mm -hmm. rob latham is out you know still winning nationals like that it, there's no accident um and you can argue fairly that uh he's probably going to win nationals that are set up in a, in a specific way. Like if it's a lot of uh, foot races and uh, long field courses, that would, that would flip the strings. It but would. Regardless, I don't care. Like a nationals is a nationals. Like, and the guy's winning them in his sixties. Yeah. It's, it's, it's because he's got something, he's got something special. He does. No doubt Absolutely. About it. And the highest level of technical skill the highest possible level of technical. He may be the most technically proficient shooter who ever lived. I don't even know if that guy feels pressure anymore. I don't know that that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you've I, shot that much, I just don't know how right. that's even possible. Right. <laughs> 
So no, I would love to talk to Robert do you, and ask him, you know, you, do you still feel pressure? Like, it, are there any circumstances where you feel pressure? Yeah. There are so many questions I want to ask him. Yeah. Hey, that, yeah. that guy's hard to get on. He's a hard one to, yeah. very busy guy. Yeah. So do you see yourself as being one of those guys eventually? I mean, is that where you want to be? Well, or are so, you just happy being where you're at? I, at this point, I, I have no real illusions about my place in the sport. Um, I, you know, I've, I've got a day job. I've got a family. I've got, you know, other obligations and hobbies. I, I just can't. I understand at this point what that would take in terms of time and resources. And I've. I'm neither willing or able to, to do what it would take. You know, I'm okay. I'm in my mid thirties. I know that, you know, eventually my eyesight is not going to, you know, cooperate with me forever. But, I resemble uh, that remark. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm hyper aware that there is a window for my shooting. You know, I know we just got done talking about Rob Latham. Blah, blah. I'm not Rob Latham. There is a window. You got 25 more years. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, so I, I realize I've got, I've got five or 10 uh, while my eyes cooperate. But no, I, I don't really have any, any goal of, of, of being one of those guys. Um, I've got other stuff going on. And I'm, I'm content. I think I'll be content if I never win a Nationals. Um, uh, it would certainly be cool. And if I'm ever in the position to, to do that, I, I mean, I'm going to keep on working hard as hard as I can uh, under my self-imposed restraints. Um, but if it never happens, I'm perfectly content with that. I'm, I'm enjoying, you know, being a good, not great shooter. And, uh, uh, I, I think that's, I think you're underrating yourself right now. <laughs> you're disrespecting yourself. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I think anytime anybody's been on a super squad, I, I would consider them a great shooter regardless. So no, well, that's just it, you my know, opinion. May, maybe it's relative and maybe I'm, I'm just maybe self-critical. I am <laughs> pretty critical. No, yeah, there I'm, uh, definitely, uh, hard on myself, <laughs> but, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, I'm going to have to like fight and claw my way back on the super squad there now that I've taken a couple years. Um, so I'm looking forward to the fight. Um, it should be, it should be fun. I'm going to enjoy the process of getting back up. So are you back a hundred percent where you were? And what I mean by is back are you devoting yourself a hundred percent back into the sport where you were before? No. Um, but I know more than I used to. Okay. Uh, I think I, I think I'm in a better position. So no, I, I don't think, um, I can devote as much either time or effort or, or energy, um, into things as I used to. Um, you know, having, having a kid sort of changes things. <laughs> yeah. uh, changes that things. is uh, literally the life altering event. But I'll tell you the nice thing is, you know, shooting doesn't have to be the most important thing anymore. 
and it would probably it would probably be it would not be good if shooting still were the most important thing in my life. Uh, so it's taken it's taken some pressure off. I've taken some pressure off myself. Um, you know, I got. I mean, life is good. Uh, family stuff, you know, being able to to go out into the garden. If I I don't have to go shoot, instead I can, you know, go poke around the four wheeler, do something different. Um, and so I don't. I'm not bringing so much pressure with me to perform um, at larger matches. And uh, it's it's good in that way. Um, cause no matter what happens, let's say I go to nationals, I have a terrible match. I still get to come home and, uh, and, and be my family. So it's, it's a big shift in what matters. And it's been, it's been good for me because, you know, okay. I, Priority. There, there's, yeah, there's a touch, there's a touch of OCD if you can't tell. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I, I've told this story before at, uh, I think it was the 2018 Nationals. I, I, no joke, gave myself an ulcer. Really? Yeah. I, no joke, gave myself an ulcer because I was worrying so, about it so much. I was so wrapped up in it and worried about it. And I just, I just wrecked myself. And in hindsight, how stupid is that? This is ultimately, you know, I'm doing this as a hobby and something to have a good time at and enjoy, you know, my friends and enjoy other people in the sport. And that wasn't enjoyable. So I, I wow. don't want to be at that level again. Yeah, I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. All right. So it looks like you're taking after Jay Beal a little bit with the blueberries. Yeah. Yeah. Jay's operation. <laughs> Uh, it is, uh, is way more professional than mine, but I've, I've got some blueberries in the ground. Okay. <laughs> All right. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So and I think I, I owe you some, some fruit. I think I made that agreement as long as you're willing to wait a few years. Uh, of course. <laughs> I've got nothing while. but time. Yeah. It's going to be a while, but, uh, everything's in the ground and growing. So what does your make ready look like? When, when you step up to that stage and the RO is like, make ready, mm -hmm. what's your process? What does that yeah. look like? I, I listened to your interview with John McClain, and it's very similar to his. Uh, okay. It's a lot of no, no must, no fuss. Um, <clears throat> I don't draw. I don't take side pictures. Uh, if I don't have my draw down by then, you know, it doesn't matter if I get one or two more. Um, at make ready, I'm going to put my gun in the ready condition. I'm going to, you know, put a mag in it, rack it, put it back in the holster. Uh, depending on the stage, I may or may not do one last mental walkthrough. If it's a simple stage or if I'm very confident I have my plan, oftentimes I'll just, I won't even do a, a rehearsal. I'll just, you know, put my wrist below the belt and I'm ready to go. If it's a, a complex stage or if I'm, you know, have some lingering doubts, I may uh, run through it just one more time um, if I am amped up, I'll take a few seconds just to control my breathing, you know, maybe try to lower the heart rate a little bit. Um, but after that, it's, it's game on, you know, you, you got ready for this stage months ago in your backyard right. training. Um, one last 
run through or one last draw, like I said, it's it's not going to make a difference. So you okay. got to show up ready to shoot. In my and you, and you <laughs> use the same make ready regardless if it's a local or nationals. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Very consistent. Now you did say one one thing there, so I'm going to ask you. You mentioned breathing, because I have found that, and, and maybe I'm doing this completely wrong, but I have found when that timer goes beep, I am like, Hoo! and you know I'm I'm moving and. So I find that when they ask if I'm ready and I give that slight nod, I inhale and I inhale, I keep inhaling slowly, but I keep going. So when that beeper goes, I know everything's coming out and I'm in a normal breathing pattern. Okay. Have, have you noticed anything like that with yourself or do anything like that? No. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm only aware of my breathing or, or the heart rate when it's elevated and I need to, okay. to get it under control. Um, as far as like, um, you know, the timing of the breaths or anything like that, I haven't really either noticed it or experimented with it. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what I do. <laughs> i like it <laughs> i i know that a lot of times like in addition to the breathing like if i'm really amped up um i still get the shakes from time to time and so you may see me like if i'm ever like shaking out my my arms or my hands you know that's you're relaxing now you know i'm oh here Tyler, we go power is in his head and he's a little bit amped up um <clears throat> trying to shake the jitters out of out so of what i'm doing a live streaming commentary yeah. now i know you know what's going on in my head <laughs> right <laughs> i gotta shake it out well tyler that's what i have um was there anything else we didn't talk about you wanted to touch on or shout outs or anything at all no uh other than to say thanks for having me on i, I really appreciate it I, i've enjoyed this conversation and uh you know pleasure I'm, was all mine i've been looking forward to this yeah, so have I. I. I just, you know, totally my fault. <laughs> we talked off air about our, our schedules and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it, it it's the way it is with everybody. Yep. I mean, we all have lives, so I get it. It's no big deal. Well, I hope we get to do this again, maybe after Iron Sight Nationals. Let's do it. Sounds all good. right. We'll Wish do that. me luck. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.